What's up, guys? Thank you for tuning in to Rethinking Christianity. This is Blake Fine, and today's episode is on political allegiances. So in 2020, we've seen a huge, um, huge impact of politics on the lives of people. Um, and kind of the way it's played out has been, I think, very clearly divisive. And for some reason, it seems that the church has gotten really involved in some of the divisiveness on both sides. And so what I want to talk about today is our political allegiances and what does that have to do with the Christian faith, following Jesus, and are we maybe missing something? Uh, Are we maybe relying too much on our political allegiance? So today, this is what we're going to be talking about. I was a little late on recording this and getting it put out, so I'm sorry about that. But I just wanted to make sure that I got um, everything out that I wanted to say and not rush through this for just the sake of putting out information. So today's episode is on political allegiances. And if you could do me a huge favor by subscribing to the podcast, sharing the podcast, and rating it, I would be super thankful. And without further ado, here is the episode on political allegiances and how we can rethink them as Jesus followers. What's up, guys? Thank you again for tuning in to the Rethinking Christianity podcast. Today's episode is going to be on political allegiances, and we're going to be rethinking our political allegiances and what it has to do with following Jesus. Um, This is an episode that I hope that will be helpful to you, encouraging and challenging. Um, If you disagree with me or you get aggravated or whatever, um, that's okay. I don't really care. Um, But I want all of us like to first start our starting point has to be I'm a follower of Jesus that matters first that has to be our starting point in all this and I think a lot of times I think it's very easy to allow our own personal wants and desires within our country um, I think to override being a follower of Jesus first and so I want to I want to frame this episode around the question of what is your political allegiance Um, to what extreme left or right, or maybe you don't have any, and maybe that's a problem also. And the reason I wanted to do this episode is because, um, one, I think that it's had a huge impact on people in 2020, and I also find it interesting to see how there has been such divisiveness within the church on this this particular topic. And this is very clear on social media, specifically Twitter, which, uh, you know, Twitter's not really helpful for anything, it seems, these days. But it's interesting to see where, you know, Christians, I think, and Christian leaders feeling the need to voice their opinions so often. Uh, And so what I want to start by doing is I'm going to read a couple tweets. And the reason I picked these two out was because this is kind of what made me think about doing this episode. But it's um, a tweet from, you know, Beth Moore. She had a series of tweets. And Sean Fuchs, I don't really, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, but anyways, Um, He's a worship leader. He's been doing a lot of like big public gatherings of worship. Um, He's caught it's caused a lot of controversy. Um, And him and Beth Moore in these tweets have differing opinions, but they're both Christians. They both claim they're followers of Jesus. And they both, you know, I think are looked at by a lot of people as leaders within the church. And so um, Beth Moore begins her series of tweets by calling out um, what she calls as Trumpism. She says, I do not believe these are days for mincing words. I'm 63 and a half years old, and I've never seen anything in these United States of America I found more astonishingly seductive and dangerous to the saints of God than Trumpism. 
uh, the Christian nationalism is not of God. Move back from it. And so she goes on and gives some more um, tweets. She then says uh, later on, uh, and God help us, we don't turn from Trumpism to Bidenism. We do not worship flesh and blood. We do not place our faith in mortals. We are the church of the living God. We can't sanctify idolatry by labeling a leader our Cyrus. We need no Cyrus. We have a king. Uh, his name is Jesus. So she gives her opinion firstly by calling out uh, Trumpism and what we've seen is a pretty large evangelical support of uh, President Trump. Uh, so she kind of kind of hits on that first and then comes on the back end of that and says, but also we can't have the same thing happening with Biden. So then Sean Fuchs, he, he kind of responds to this tweet uh, in a not too positive manner, I would say. He says, you've spent the last four years, so he quote tweets it, if you're on Twitter, you know what that is. You spent the last four years casting stones on everyone that did not think like you or vote like you. And in all caps, he says, No one here is surprised that you're now condemning Christians who stand for the unborn, religious freedom, prison reform, security for Israel, and constitutional justices. So clearly, there is a divide. There's this divide between Christians and evangelicals and people in the church on left and right. And it sees seems that there's a, a political allegiance on both sides where, you know, some people are more moderate. And I think that's helpful. Um, that, but there are also that are also people that are pretty right leaning and pretty left left leaning. And so if you haven't noticed and quite clearly from this this Twitter exchange, um, politics has has hijacked a lot of people's attentions. And what I think is going on, I think, is that. And well, I'll get to this in a little bit is I think a lot of times we are concerned with our own comfortability. We are concerned with what we want um, and what we desire and what we think is right. And sometimes what we think is right is right, but also other times it's more reflective of our selfishness and the things that we would want to happen. Uh, I had a friend of mine in, the, in a text exchange, his name's Brooks, and I wrote this down, or I wrote this down because I, you know, I think it's very reflective of what our mindset as followers of Jesus has to be as we rethink our political allegiance. He said, "If I care more about who somebody voted for or didn't vote for than I do care about what they think about Jesus, then politics are my idol." So basically, that if I'm more worried about, you know, what you think of Donald Trump or what you think of Joe Biden rather than what you think of following Jesus then my idol is politics and I'm not really worshiping or following Jesus in a manner that puts my allegiance to him first. And our allegiance cannot be this to this political system or this political party. And what we see in the United States is, of course, like we are blessed to live in a country that allows religious freedoms and religious liberties and things that are good. And I'm very thankful. But it seems sometimes that within American Christianity, Um, Christians seem to assume that it is their right as Christians to worship freely, in peace, and without opposition. So what I think we often do is we take this idea of religious freedom that we have, and then we take Christianity, and we assume that they're one and the same. That the American rights that are given to us through the Constitution are also the same um, rights and things we have through Jesus, which they are not. Um, the biblical narrative opposes this idea. There are so many instances throughout Scripture where we see men and women of, of God and of the church that are opposed so harshly 
to to their religious freedom, and yet they still are worshiping and they're still faithful to the message of what God has called them to do or what they believe in as being followers of Jesus. And I think that's the issue is that we assume often that our that our rights as Americans are the same rights that we have as Christians, and that's not the case. Now, this does not mean that we just say, you know, we, we turn a blind eye to what's wrong in our country and, and the things that are bad. But at the end of the day, we cannot rely on a government, a politician to be something that saves us or, or guides us. Our guidance and our allegiance cannot be to these systems because they will fail every time. And what it seems is that we have people on the left and the right that they believe that their way is the right way, that their way is the helpful way, that their way is the higher moral way. And what we as Jesus followers cannot do is trust that as, you know, oh, absolutely, that my way is the right way, their way is the wrong way. And what we see is divisiveness. And what we see is kind of like this dividing of people in the church, which is, I think, really, you know, disappointing because we are given a message of unity, a message of hope, and we're given the gospel. And so, like I said, the, the biblical narrative, it opposes this idea of Americans, uh, American Christianity, that we have this right to free worship, to um, peaceful worship. And yes, it's a blessing, of course, but it's not a given. Well, you look throughout the church, throughout the world, there are so many blossoming uh, blossoming churches that are growing and blooming and, and God is moving through those churches, yet they're in the midst of persecution, they're in the midst of people being killed, they're in the midst of imprisonment. Um, and so what we see that, we see that throughout the biblical narrative also. We see, for example, in Acts, we see Paul and Silas who, they're arrested, um, and yet they're worshiping in prison. Um, we see every single disciple who is killed, murdered for the gospel. Paul is someone who early on in the New Testament, he is a killer of Christians. He is killing Christians, he is opposing them, um, and he's a part of a system that is not for Christianity. Um, We look at the church under the persecution of Nero. Nero framed Christians as setting fire to Rome so that he could persecute them even harder. Nero was known to literally use Christians as fuel for his fires to light the parties that he would have at night at his palace. So throughout the biblical narrative and throughout Christian and church history, we see that there is this this example of these Christians, they may not be politically aligned, you know, one way or the other, or they may, but what we see is a clear reflection of their worship towards God and their following of Jesus in the midst of persecution, in the midst of a system that does not really just give them this right and this like free freedom and peaceful worship. And so like in these moments, the church like has blossomed. The church has done well. Like the church has continued on. Like they didn't need a politician. They didn't need a king. They didn't need this system to save them. And it seems that there is this fear in America that, you know, when these shutdowns have happened and churches aren't allowed to have service or whatever it may be, that, that is some kind of persecution where I don't, I don't think that's really the case. Um, and so it seems that there is this fear that, like, that the church won't move or that, that God's just going to stop doing what he's always done. And I just think that sometimes that the fear is, it seems that the fear is not for um, the success of the church, Um, but a taking away of personal comfortability. 
that, that people want to be comfortable in their daily routines of going to church on Sundays and worshiping, which they have the right to do that. But I also think that like there's this fear that our personal comfortability is going to be taken away. And my question is, okay, uh, would that not be a bad thing? Could that be a good thing? Because it seems that in America, Christians have become so reliant on political systems to give them hope that they have lost sight on political allegiance to our King Jesus. And the thing about Christianity is it is a transcendent faith, meaning it has moved and done what it has always done throughout kings and kingdoms, through dictators, through presidents, through communism, through capitalism, through socialism, where the church has been planted in the midst of hardship and in the midst of politics and in the midst of systems that oppose Christianity, it has still succeeded. And so the question I'm asking when I say, what is my political allegiance? You know, is it so much so that I lose sight of the fact that maybe my political allegiance is overriding my allegiance to Jesus? And like, there's never been a hierarchy that has been outside of the purpose of God um, and what he has had and his plan for the faith of Christians. There's a calling of faithfulness in the, in the midst of this persecution. And, and what we have to realize is that, you know, religious freedom is not what saves us. Jesus is. Our rights as Americans is not what saves us. Jesus is. And so we have to ask ourselves, is if, if we're becoming so politically aligned that is dividing the church in half, is our allegiance really to Jesus and the things that he's calling us to? Or is our allegiance to our own comfortability and our own selfish desires and wants? And in some cases, there's been horrible things that in the long run have, have helped the church. And so it's strengthened the church. And so what we have to ask ourselves in the midst of that is like, what, what are our political allegiances? How have they played a role in our faith? And what does it mean to continue to follow Jesus in the midst of this. And so those two tweets show this example of two people that are Christians, but they both view things very differently. And they both, one is seemingly attacking the other and the other is calling out something. And I think the question we have to ask is, is there really a need for Christians to continue to give their opinions? Because it gets to a point where Christians have become known more so for their opinions than who they are aligned to or who their allegiance is to. And see, if, if Christians are more known for their political opinions and their moralistic opinions rather the, than the way of life that they are called to live, then again, what are we aligned to? Who is our allegiance to? Is it morality? Is it systems? Is it, is a, is it a government? Is it a politician? See, that's where it starts to get kind of tricky because we have to reflect on that and we have to recognize individually in ourselves, what am I aligned to? What, what are my desires and my opinions? Um, what, are, what are they drawing up? And a lot of times it can draw up arrogance and it can draw up pride. And this is something that I've struggled with that, you know, I see things in the news and I see things on social media and I begin to get aggravated and I begin to say to myself, like, no, that's not right. Like, they, they, don't, they don't know what they're talking about. And what I see in that is me being more concerned with what I think is right. Me being more concerned with my personal comfortability. And what I don't ever want to do is become so aligned with 
my own views and my own thoughts that I'm missing out on what maybe what uncomfortability that Jesus is calling me to in the midst of following him. Because what we see is that uncomfortability often leads to this this strength and following of Jesus. And so maybe our political alignment is more so um, focused in on our own comfortability rather than a true and genuine following of Jesus. I recently did this paper uh, in a seminary class out of the book of Daniel. And in Daniel 2 and 4, we see the writers of Daniel present this beautiful picture of what it looks like to have faithfulness and obedience. And it's a reminder written to those, uh, the readers of you know, the Israelite people that would read this book. And so what we see in Daniel 2 and 4, um, and in the book of Daniel as a whole, is the Israelites are in Babylonian exile. That They're living in the midst of a system they don't agree with religiously or politically. And in Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has a dream that he does not tell anyone, and he is asking for interpretation. And so he calls upon magicians and different interpreters to perform these acts of divination in his court. And divination would have just been a bunch of practices that were um, opposed by the Israelite people because they saw them as pagan practices. And so in Daniel, Daniel uh, is trained in these acts because he has grown up in the court of Nebuchadnezzar. And so as he's trained in these acts, um, he is very familiar with them and he knows how to do them. And what's interesting in this story is that Daniel is called upon or he, he hears of uh, this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has. And he hears about it because Nebuchadnezzar is anger because his, angry because his magicians cannot interpret the dream for him. And so what happens is Nebuchadnezzar threatens to kill and murder uh, the people that have failed in this dream interpretation. Daniel then prays to Yahweh um, for a sign for interpretation. Daniel then has a dream or a vision in the night and the dream is revealed to him. He goes before Nebuchadnezzar and he interprets this dream. And what's interesting is that the magicians, um, before Daniel hears about this, when they're first called upon, they say to Nebuchadnezzar, um, there's no man, there's no one that can do this, that can tell you what this dream is if you will not tell it to us. And Daniel repeats this uh, in Daniel 2, in the, the latter part of Daniel 2, when he goes before Nebuchadnezzar and he says, there's no, there's no person, there's no human that can do this, but my God in heaven can. And this is all re- also reflective of a similar theme in Genesis 41, uh, where Joseph tells a, the cupbearer and the baker in prison that interpretations belong to Yahweh. And so Daniel interprets this dream correctly, and it's this interpretation of the statue that um, it's this statue that is this it reflects the empire of Babylon, where Nebuchadnezzar is the head of the statue, and that the empires to come are the bottom half of the statue, the other body parts of the statue. And Daniel, um, he tells him, there is no man, there's no one that can interpret this, but God can, and he interprets the dream correctly, and then he tells about this um, empire, and these empires that are to come that will one day fall, and he mentions that a greater kingdom will come. And what we see in Daniel 2, and then also in Daniel 4, is this, this narrative that is written to the people of Israel in the midst of their exile. Um, what Daniel does is that though he has been trained in the ways of Babylonian magic, he does not rely on those ways or those things as his way to interpret the dream. He shows faithfulness to Yahweh in his prayer to Yahweh, and Yahweh then reveals the interpretation of this dream. 
Daniel then interprets the dream and it communicates this message of this human and this empire that's run by a king but will one day fall and a better and greater kingdom will come. And what's communicated here to those in exile and the Israelite people is that there's this calling of this faithfulness to Yahweh and obedience to Yahweh. Where Daniel, he doesn't, he doesn't take upon acts of, of paganism or acts of magic, but he relies solely on Yahweh as the form of interpretation. And then the actual interpretation of the dream itself communicates this message that, yes, we're in the midst of this kingdom, and there will be kingdoms to come, but there will be a greater kingdom that comes. And what's communicated to, to the Israelite people And it's also communicated to us in the midst of 2020, in the midst of a political atmosphere that is very divisive, that we don't have to be called to rebellion. We don't have to stand up for a political system, I don't personally believe. And that we can be patient because we have a calling and a faithfulness of obedience to God in the midst of this. And the book of Daniel, it communicates this early in Daniel 2 and 4, It communicates this message of patience and faithfulness and obedience to Yahweh. And again, I'm not saying that Christians don't voice out against what is wrong, but we don't have to stand up for a political system or political party or alignment to a certain politician because what we're called to is faithfulness and obedience to God, even in the midst of maybe what feels like an exile politically or an exile uh, in our faith. And that's what we see with the Israelite people is they are literally exiled, but yet there's still this call to faithfulness and obedience to the God, Yahweh. And so, like, what I'm saying is, like, we cannot allow our political allegiances to override our lives so much so to the point that it, like, it begins to stir up hate in our hearts and divisiveness. And what I often find is when we're seeking obedience to God and a true following of Jesus, the opposite will happen that more humility will rise up in us, more patience will rise up in us, which is communicated through the message of Daniel, patience to the faithfulness of God, that he is sovereign, that he is the one who places kings um, on their kingdoms, he who puts rulers in their places, and he who is sovereign over the earth. So our obedience and faithfulness is much more important for our alignment to God rather than our political allegiance to a system, a party, or a belief. And so our faithfulness to God should draw up patience in the midst of political unrest. What we have to be reminded is, is this. Trump cannot save you. Biden cannot save you. And it seems to be that on both sides of the political spectrum, both sides think that that either system is going to be the one that draws up healing or the one that draws up fixing. And what I've seen throughout history is Political systems fail, kings and kingdoms fall, Um, people and ideas oftentimes do not succeed, but in the midst of it, as I have mentioned, that in the midst of persecution, in the midst of things that don't make sense, in the midst of evil, the church has proceeded to succeed and be what it always has been, as long as people are faithful and obedient to the calling of God. And I think this is where we have to like focus in on and ask ourselves the question like what where are my political allegiances drawing me to? Are my political allegiances drawing hate in my heart, arrogance in my heart, pride in my heart? 
Is my political allegiance dividing me away from my brothers and sisters in Christ? Is my political allegiance keeping me from understanding the viewpoint and the perspective of people that may think differently than me? Do I care about the people that think differently than me? Uh, Do my political allegiances make me think that I'm better than someone else because I think differently than them? Do I assume that people that are not in the same political alignment as I am, do I think that they're evil? And so we have to ask ourselves all these questions because when we focus on following and, and following Jesus closely, our political alignment, I don't think will matter as much. I think it'll, it'll still have a role in our life because there are implications to following Jesus where we, we fight for justice and we fight for things that should be right and corrected that are viewed as unjust in the eyes of God. But I think that like we don't have to stand up for a political system or a political party, but we do have to stand up for what is right in the eyes of God. And firstly, that begins with our own personal faithful, faithfulness and obedience to him that I think will lead to humility in the midst of a lot of political divisiveness. And so our big question, our big rethinking question about political allegiances is simply, what is my political allegiance and how is it affecting my heart? How is it affecting how I view other people? How is it affecting how I love other people? And how is it affecting how I live my life in the church and as a follower of Jesus? And so I hope this has been helpful. I hope that it's made sense. Um, I'm not going to voice, I guess, my own political preference or whatever that may be, because I don't really know what it is at this point in my life. It's, I struggle with both sides, and I think, I think that's a good place for me to be at personally. But I just hope that we would focus on following after Jesus. What we saw, I I love that message in Daniel, that in the midst of exile, in the midst of feeling on the outside looking in, that we have, we have a calling to patience, of faithfulness and obedience to God. And if we lean into that, if we trust into that, that is where our hope lies. That's where faith can be found. And that's where peace ultimately will be found. And so I hope this has been encouraging. I hope this has been helpful. Let's ask ourselves continually, how are our political allegiances affecting us? And how are they potentially dividing us? Thanks again for tuning in to the Rethinking Christianity podcast. I am super thankful that you have decided to tune in and listen. I hope this conversation or uh, my thoughts on political allegiance has helped you and been encouraging and maybe challenging. I just would ask if you could do me a huge favor again uh, to subscribe to the podcast, to share it with your friends, to review it. Um, and that would be super helpful to me. I'd be super appreciative. And so thanks again so much for tuning into the podcast. I'm super excited for an episode that we'll be having come out within the next week or so, uh, an interview with Mark Scandrett. He's the author of uh, Practicing the Way of Jesus, Life in the Kingdom of Love. We had a conversation this past week uh, on this book and on some other topics that were uh, super enlightening to me, super challenging. And so I'm super excited to put that out. Uh, So be on the lookout for that. And thank you so much again for tuning in. Until next time, this is Blake. See you later.